Welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. We are your hosts of the Meaning Academy podcast, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. In this podcast, we explore the insights and inspiration of Dr. Victor Frankel and all things meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thanks for joining us. And now let's begin our search for meaning. Hello and welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy podcast. Back again, I'm Dr. Daniel A. Franz with my very good friend, Dr. Baruch Halevi. Once again, we sadly are missing our, our third component of the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy, Dr. Elise Cortez. She is out traveling the world, impacting other human beings. I think last we saw her, it may have been from a conference or an airport. Uh, from her screen, they all look the same. So sometimes it's kind of hard to tell, but glad to be back uh, here with you again. B, how have you been, my friend? I've been good, but better than the last time we spoke. That was still a little fresh uh, off the heels of some atrocities in the Middle East. Um, and you can listen to our podcast if you want to hear more about that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think trying to embody the essence and the message of our teacher and our worldview of logo philosophy to transform tragedy into triumph so that's what i've been doing and um, in my own way and that's what we are committed to in this podcast absolutely i would definitely recommend you go back and and review that podcast uh b i, I forgot to tell you i got a very um important piece of feedback on that last podcast from a very important person in my life uh, my oldest daughter texted me or emailed me i don't know how our kids communicate these days she got in touch with me and said hey dad thank you Thank you for, for what you guys are doing and going out and, and sharing this message that that my people need to hear. Um, you know, her her generation seems really, uh, especially in light of current events. Um, she was really, uh, really, really took taken in by that podcast and found it very helpful. So uh, I'm glad we did that. And uh, thank you, my friend, for for you know, I mean. I just got to host a really good conversation with you. That was kind of it. And your education and information uh, obviously proved helpful to many people. I'm glad I could do my part. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I am sure there will be other versions and variations out in the world. But I guess that takes us into our conversation, which is um, now more than ever before, Dr. Victor Frankel and this message and the insights and the tools of logo therapy, logo philosophy, meaning centered, purpose driven, resilience creating living is needed now more than ever. Absolutely. Um, as we've talked about, you know, for the audience, I am uh, playing hooky right now from the uh, World Congress of Logo Therapy. Unfortunately, it's virtual this year, so it's pretty easy to play hooky. Um, I'll get back in into the Congress here, but uh, definitely going, you know, I am up to my neck in in Dr. Frankel and Logotherapy right now, but I'm simultaneously, I'm also uh, rereading the will for the will to meaning. Yes, the will to meaning, which is, uh, I think that was in the 60s or 70s, a coll another collection of his speeches and essays. And it was really, it, it hit me, <clears throat> excuse me, today as I was reading it, you know, he first called this practice existential analysis, um, and, but then really had a hard time translating that into the English and eventually did become logotherapy. And I, I believe today we are so, we, we really need to be 
analyzing our existence and where we're going and how we're doing things as individuals and as and as a culture and as a world. And as we said, that's you know the the tagline of the Victor Frankl Meaning Academy, right? Meaning, purpose, and resilience. We end every podcast with go out there and live your life with meaning purpose and resilience. So maybe today we can talk a little bit about that. You know, why, why is that important to us? I certainly want to end on the idea of resilience and, and how you do resilience, but maybe first we talk about the, the more ethereal concepts of meaning and purpose. I know we bounced that around with Elise this week. Um, she is big on, on the idea of purpose, but you know, be from your perspective for two logo therapists, what is meaning? What's it all about? We've talked a lot about it, but today what, what is meaning for you? Um, in Kabbalah, there's a fundamental principle that within the darkness, whatever darkness it might be, whether you're talking about the creation of the world or existential personal darkness or a collective darkness that we're going through, there are always what the Kabbalists, the Jewish mystics call the Nitzutza um, Kodesh, the sparks of light, of of divine energy. And our work, our mission is to go into the darkness and to find those sparks and that spark is different for everybody in every context. And so that spark is meaning, right? And this is actually where I do believe, I don't have proof of it, but I do believe Frankel drew his, and I, by the way, I know Dan likes to say Frankel. So I, he'll say Frankel and I'll say Frankel. I know I'm opening up a, a can of worms here. But. I was going to bring that up, man. I, I, I told you those at the Logo Therapy World Congress from all around the world, be not just Abilene, Texas, man, they are throwing down the Frankel a lot uh, this week and not the Frankel, as you say. But uh, I, I have been asked about that from several of our listeners. Uh, you know, Running Man himself brought that up one day, like, all right, you two sound like you're talking about uh, two different people. I'm like, well, um, there's a family that I know that one of them is Edelstein and one of them is Edelstein and it's a big rift in the family. So this can be our little drama, you know, behind the scenes, soap opera, Frankel, Frankel. Anyways, I'm not letting you take us off uh tangent, even though I brought it up. Known to do. Um, and so anyways, going into the darkness, going into, you know, whatever we're facing and finding our spark is meaning. Mm -hmm. To me, that is what meaning is. And just so I'm giving our listeners sort of both a metaphor, but also one that really is helpful. Taking that spark and fanning it into a flame, right, to illuminate the darkness is purpose. And so I think of it as the meaning is going in, finding that spark against all odds where there's seemingly nothing. We go into it, we find meaning. And as Frankel says, there's always meaning in whatever we're going through, especially the darkness. And then our work becomes to fan that into a flame. And as I say, to carry that fire forward as a source of illumination, right? And, and how we translate that spark into that flame and that flame into our life's purpose mm -hmm. and translating that. And then guarding the fire, guarding the flame so it doesn't go out is the resilience, um, and then that's how I think of my relationship with meaning, purpose and resilience. And it's and it goes in that order. You know, you have to find mm -hmm. find the, the spark, turn it into a flame and then make sure you stand guard against it because the world around you will try and blow out the flame. Is it does that make sense? Is that helpful? You tell me. I, I think that is a beautiful metaphor, beautiful analogy. Actually, I'm, I'm looking here. I'm, I'm in my clinical office and there's a, a great book here called Spark Seekers 
um, you know, and having read that several it's gotten times. rave reviews by my mother. <laughs> Other than that, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me be the second to give it a rave review. That is interesting. Can you go back? Uh, I, I know many of our listeners, when you throw out uh, words in different languages, they actually want to pay attention. What was that word again? Uh, um, so the, 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 the Hebrew word is nitsuts, which means sparks. And According to Kabbalah and also according to physics, the Big Bang, right? There was darkness and then there was light. And that light is not something to just be taken for granted. It's a defiant act. Whether you want to talk about just a, from a scientific physics perspective, that we're here against all odds, that there is light in this dark universe, right? And how was the creation how did the creation begin, according to physicists or according to Kabbalists? The Big Bang, the explosion of light, and then that growth of light. And so that's that spark. And I don't want to be too esoteric or too physics-oriented here, because at the end of the day, each of us has to birth our own existence, our own universe, make sense of our own reality, and when I'm counseling people over and over and over, it's can we go into your darkness and discover your spark? I can't create it. Nobody, you're not going to create it. It's there. Our job is to go in and discover it, right? And that's that divine spark, Nitsuts. Mm -hmm. So for those of you keeping score at home, I'm going to Americanize that. Neat suits, neat suits, suits, right? Neat suits for those of you tracking B's esoteric language. And, and I, I love that idea, right? So the idea that I think meaning is esoteric. It's ethereal. It's hard to define. We've spent dozens of podcasts trying to break it down and, and simplify it. And I love this idea today that it is, it is the spark. I think, uh, you know, Dr. Frankel calls it, uh, you know, or, much of logotherapy and existential analysis talks about it. It's it's that force that pulls you forward into life, that you have it, as we've talked about, as you just mentioned, it's there. We have to uncover it. When I was, uh, during my studies, I think it was a, a practicum, um, I, a great exercise one of the instructors taught us was this idea of the the logotherapy anchor, right? That, that, that spark, that meaning is there, and it's our anchor in life. And as a as a clinician, coach, consultant, it's our job to help people uncover that anchor. It gets muddied throughout life, like any anchor. You can imagine a boat dragging, trying to lay anchor, dragging that anchor around. It gets covered in mud and barnacles and seaweed and all kinds of stuff. And our job is to uncover it, to find that anchor, to find that spark, to help people discover, right? We're not making meaning. Meaning is there to be discovered. And, and that is, again, meaning purpose. Our purpose is how we go about doing that, right? How we get up every day and show ourselves in the world the behaviors we execute to carry out, to discover that meaning and, and to take it forward. Would you agree? A lot, a lot there. Yes, I agree with all. But um, let's just, I want to come back to one thing you said. It's hard to define However, I've just said it before, I'll say it again. It's like Chief Justice Potter said about pornography. It's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. Yeah, see and the it. same is true with your spark. I, it's hard to define. I can't define it. All I can do is I know it when I see it or maybe when I feel it. I, for Here's an example. So I was down. I was feeling desperate after the attacks in Israel, as everybody knows. I'm Israeli and I'm an American. And... Um, I heard a podcast by former 
Israel ambassador to, ambassador to the U.S., Michael Oren, who said, you don't have to come back to Israel and fight, talking to all of us Israeli expats who are living here in America, um, but you do have to take up arms in your own way and find your way. And he said, buy our soldiers one more day of fighting to eradicate evil, and you've done your part. And that, that's when I started to, like, it clicked. My spark, my my divine spark around this darkness right now is to use my voice to type or to speak or to get out on podcasts and to just counteract the falsehoods with the truth. Yes. And that was my that was like an aha or call it whatever you want, but that was my knowing. And that's not everybody's knowing. For some people, that may, that does not resonate. But for me, it was like this. Oh yeah, that's there's a spark in there, and I just discovered it. Now, now what do I do with it? Right, because it's not enough to have a spark. A spark isn't a sustainable light source. It's the beginning of a light source. Right, a spark only. You know, if you ever watch, like, do you ever watch Bear Grylls and uh, Man oh, vs. Wild? Hey, man, look, I go out and I am Bear Grylls. <laughs> I, I, I have to. I, I know where this is going, and I have to admit, I have uh, attempted to start a fire with a flint and uh, and spark before, and it's uh, it ain't easy. It ain't easy, and what I love when he does that, and then he, I'm like creates this makeshift like carrier so he can carry the the flame mm -hmm. around with him all day long or as a coal piece of coal but whatever the point is um we got to do something with that spark and that's like that next step on and and also for frankel it's not enough to discover your meaning what do you do with it who right. do you share it with how does this benefit others right he he definitely tells us it's not about sitting around and thinking about the spark thinking about your meaning but you have to do something with it that is the purpose of it and be what a, what a beautiful example of finding meaning in suffering in tragedy in difficult times i know i, I attended a lecture yesterday that that's you know a, a lot of uh, our, our logotherapy peers are um from you know have been in israel live in israel or are from israel or have been through some very difficult times and they were talking about uh, current events and how appropriate logotherapy is right now given the times that we live in and, and you were a great example of that right like suffering is happening and so i've discovered meaning in it and the purpose is to get out there and write and to share and to help people understand as you did last week and as you've done for the past two weeks in your different social media platforms well thank you um i've had a conversation multiple times this past two weeks i guess it's coming up on two weeks since um mm -hmm. hamas attacked israel and we were talking about how you know freud's view of the world has its place and purpose and Jung's and um, positive psychology, which I'm a fan of all of those, but one is particularly suited for these atrocities for these times. And that is the one that was, maybe it wasn't born out of Auschwitz, but it certainly was proven in Auschwitz and other concentration and death camps. And that's one of, and we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. It's one of the reasons I love logotherapy because if it works there, it works here. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a good point. Um, again, uh, as I'm preparing uh, our curriculum for the upcoming Your Search for Meaning, going back and, and uh, re-studying the history of logotherapy. And uh, Dr. Frankel was known to say, uh, even a dwarf standing on the shoulder of giants um, can see just a little bit further. And, and, and that's, he was talking about Freud, Freud being that giant, the, the originator of the field of psychiatry and psychology, but somewhat 
not always true in our times. Freud came from a, a time in Victorian Austria where everybody, everything was about repression, but it was an amazing time. The Habsburg dynasty was still in existence. Austria was the second largest uh, uh, country in the world. Vienna, I'm sorry, Vienna was the second largest city in the world, second only to Paris, uh, a center of arts and education and culture. And so you see, and also Freud, I mean, he analyzed sick people, right? Like, truly mentally ill people. So his theories come from a much different understanding than, than Frankl, who, uh, you know, post-World War I, Vienna is decimated. People are depressed and out of work and highly, the suicide rates were, were incredible back in that time. And he comes up with, you know, his, he had always had the idea since he was, I think, four years old, maybe five years old. That, you know, we have to, you know, what I'm, I'm going to die. What is my meaning in life? What is my purpose? And then to test that in the in the clinics of post-World War I Vienna, and then to have to take it and truly put it to work in his own life during those years in the concentration camps. Exactly what you said. If that were, if it works there, it'll work anywhere. I think Freud's work is amazing in the laboratory you know in theory in the ivory tower it's the foundation it's the intellectual foundation um it was r bucks minster fuller who was asked what was the most important contribution or who was the most important contributor to advancement of human society in the 20th century and he said without a doubt it was freud and shocked people said you know was it wasn't einstein with a theory of relativity or some of these he said no without freud's shift in the understanding that the invisible is more important than the visible. Mm. We wouldn't have gotten to those other breakthroughs. The invisible is more important than the, sorry, the invisible is more important than the visible because we didn't take the invisible seriously, right? It was only uh, if you can see it and touch it and taste it and smell it, that it was real. And what Freud taught us was there's a whole world within us that is invisible, that is still real. In fact, it's more real than the, sometimes than the visible. And so I think that's great, except when, you know, the shit hits the fan and we have to, on the real time in real life, when we're suffering, when we're struggling, what now, what do I do with that? I don't know what to do with that. And that's where I believe Frankel steps in and says, here you go, become a spark seeker, discover your spark, discover your meaning, it's in there, don't give up, transform that tragedy into triumph, another saying by Frankel, mm -hmm. right? That is like, to me, a battlefield cry versus wonderful, amazing stuff to study up in the ivory tower. Absolutely. And, and to, you know, I, I bring this up just about every time we talk together, right? How do we go discover meaning? There are three ways to do it. Our creativity, right? Our work, our acts, what we create, whether it's music or art or, you know, being able to go to work and know that we, we are helping somebody it may just be the guy next to us or the gal next to us it might be something bigger where we get to help other human beings or organizations, right? But what we create is an opportunity to discover meaning. What we experience is an opportunity to discover meaning whether it's a, a beautiful play or an opera or music or a sunset or mountains or whatever it might be, our experiences bring us meaning. But most significantly, especially in our times today, it's our attitudes towards our difficult times. It's our attitudes towards our suffering. Will I turn this suffering into triumph? Will I take a stand and share my perspective and encourage other people to, to do likewise? 
or will I allow this suffering? Will I allow these difficult times to crush me? And what we choose to do there is the opportunity to discover meaning. I want to, I want to take your analogy a, a little bit further, right? So we, we, we discover this spark and, and we bear grills it, right? We're, 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 we got all the grasses in there and we're growing the spark into a flame and you've got your tinder and then your bigger logs and then your big, bigger branches. And then you have to protect it. And B, I love what you said there, man. How do you protect that meaning? How do you protect that spark? It's through resilience. Resilience has been a big word in recent times. What the heck is this resilience? So it's first of all, I can't spell it. I always misspell it. There's um, how many L's are in it? There's one L or two L's? One L. I believe just one. I've been spelling it for like 50 years and I just keep putting two L's in there. So, but my point of that is, I don't even really know what the word means. I like mm -hmm. origins. I, but this one of these words, like I can't even figure it out just by sounding it out. Mm -hmm. It's it's a strange word, resilience, and yet it resonates. It connects. People get it. You say, you know, I talk to people about what I and we are doing in companies, and meaning, yeah, you know, the little esoteric and purpose, yeah, Simon Sinek, start with why. I get it, but it just feels a little cliched, but resilience, something lights up. And when I say what one of the things we're doing is resilience training, oh, like that's an idea whose time has come. People know we need resilience because we have all this like progress. We have all of this advancement. And yet in some ways we're more vulnerable than ever before. And we're lacking that tough layer to endure, to withstand. So resilience, let's get into that. What is resilience? I'm going to turn it back on you. So, well, that's, uh, I've had, the, again, being at the Logotherapy Congress, one of our former speakers was Dr. Stephen Southwick, who's uh, now passed from uh, terrible cancer. And uh, he wrote an amazing book on resilience. And I meant to bring it with me to, to share with the audience, but I, Southwick, S-O-U-T-H-W-I-C-K. He did some amazing research on resilience and came up with nine or 10 factors. Resilience is something you can do, you can train, you can practice on a daily basis so that when times are tough or terrible or life-threatening, you can bounce back. Right. That is the nature of resilience in my mind when it is it is a, a practice that you have engaged in so that you have the ability to bounce back mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually and, and relationally when times are difficult. Yeah, and that's to me the key of this is that it isn't just something that happens where some people are more resilient than others. I just don't think that's true. I think that we are looking at over our lifetime, an accumulation of skills and experiences and abilities, right? Like for instance, um, I know my kids are more resilient when it comes to Israel than most American Jewish kids because my kids also grew up in Israel. And so they've witnessed it, they've seen it in, 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 in smaller doses, never like this, but that's sort of a resilience too. Think about COVID, right? I don't want to get into any controversy here, but let's not talk about COVID. Let's talk about the flu or any other virus. We inoculate ourselves, right, with a little bit of the virus, mm -hmm. right? And so that's a resilient process. And if if we're guarded against the, 
the the realities of the world or the realities of the difficulties that we're going to face, then it's very hard to cultivate resilience. We need to inject some of that into our lives in a manageable, you know, safe way. I love how you go from COVID saying, let's not start a controversy to uh, injections and antibiotics and inoculations, which surely there's no controversy around that these days, but way, way to dodge a bullet and walk into a bullet, buddy. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we take no stand on, uh, uh, what are they called, vaccinations or COVID or anything. We, we, we have no stand here, but if you'd like to talk about it, we're certainly open to it. Um, but you make a good point. How do we how do we prevent these things for the past hundred years or so is to give ourselves a small dose, the flu shot. That's the same with with resiliency training. How do you make yourself more resilient? You put yourself through difficult times willingly and with intention. Um, one of my favorites to talk to people about is exercise, right? Uh, getting out and, and pushing yourself um, to walk, to run, to bike to do something that you can do a little bit more, a little bit further each day to stress your body will help you be ready when those stressful times come up and you're not choosing them, when you're not in control of them. Exercise is an amazing opportunity to train yourself to be more resilient. In fact, I remember we did have this conversation before, but that's okay if we don't remember it. Only the running man probably remembers it. Um, but it's important to really think about this idea of inoculating yourself by ingesting not so much that it's masochistic, that it's destructive, that it's harmful, because Dr. Viktor Frankl says you'll never discover meaning if you inflict unnecessary suffering on yourself. So we're talking about enough that you can become inoculated, but not so much that you become, you know, that you hurt yourself. So um, but thinking about pain, thinking about, um, well, here's, here's an interesting one. So I've adopted the Buddhist practice um, for many years of meditating on my death once in a while, not every single day, but periodically, like to really see that it's, a, it's an ancient practice so that we don't live in so much fear of death, right? And if I can start to contemplate it and think about it and work through it, then I can prepare my will. Then I can talk about it, you know, with my kids to talk about the necessary things. And there's not, it's not shrouded in this fear like I see so many people. Mm -hmm. That's one example of how do you do resilience training? Buddha, huh? You think that's Buddhist? Well, I know it's a Buddhist practice. I'm sure it's many other places. Oh, okay. Gosh, I was going to say, I, I know Marcus Aurelius and the Stoics, the Catholics, uh, the you know many ancient mystics. Yeah, many, many cultures or practices talk about meditating on your death. And I think we live in a, in a culture today that is is terrified of that idea. Because, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm a finite being. I won't last forever. So I have to go accumulate all the stuff I can possibly get my hands on. When in reality, death means, as they say, you don't get to take it with you. So why bother? Right? And, and our, about, kids, our right? kids need that conversation as an example. Because otherwise, I've, I've guided thousands of people through grief. And I see it over and over again. People who are unwilling to take their kids to the funeral do a disservice to their children. Sure. It's painful to their child to wonder what's on the other side of that door, what's, what's happening at that graveside that I can't go to. I was just talking with a client not that long ago who still goes back 50 years to being left out of the funeral at age six or something like that. 
And it really took its toll on him because it made him afraid as opposed to being a part of it and seeing it and experiencing it in a dose that he could handle, but that he could handle. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we certainly do a disservice by not uh, engaging that and by preventing others from as well. Frankel talks about, uh, you know, the, the finite, the, the beauty in life is, is that it's brief. We don't have it for an infinite amount of time. And therefore, when we meditate on the fact that we will die, um, it, it ideally it propels us to do great things and not to just focus on a, the accumulation of material. So exercise builds resiliency. Memento mori, meditating upon your death, um, can help build resiliency. What else, B? Logotherapy. Talking to somebody who can provide a context in a container, hold space, as I call it, to allow you to start processing some of these things, these fears, these, these uncertainties in a context that's constructive and safe and that you can start harnessing this into, you know, transforming tragedy into triumph. It's mm -hmm. crucial. I just literally texted with a woman who said she just doesn't know what to do with all this pain of, of Israel. And I said, are you talking to somebody? She said, no. I said, well, that's the starting point. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, just two points with that. Human connection, right? Just having a network of people you can go to when times are tough as you've experienced i mean you and i have each other we talk pretty often when times are tough and then we get to share it with everybody else um you know i have when, when times are really difficult in my life and and you're off traveling the world with uh, dr elise um you know my go-to is the running man very often and, and chatting with him about difficult times but then it's it's important you know our our, our partners our spouses our families our children um you know we don't want to burden our children too much with our issues but having a network of friends co-workers, et cetera. We have to have that connection. You know, and I, if I take that a step further, when it comes to a, a, a logo therapeutic relationship, having that uh, objective person that can hold space for you, um, it's interesting. Again, the, the beginning chapters of uh, Frankel's The Will to Meaning, he talks about what I've shared many times. Um, it is not about the techniques or theory that are used but it's just the ability to connect with another human being, um, ideally one who is trained and objective, but that has immense healing power in difficult times. So it's not about how many different schools of psychology, how much you've studied Freud and Adler and Jung and all of those, but it's just the ability to, to like, I love how you say that, to hold space, to bear witness to somebody's suffering. All right, but let me, let me push back on one idea within there, and that is, is not to have people to go to. It's to have the right people to go to because people can also make it worse. Mm -hmm. I, just, I literally just posted a blog on my website on this topic. Of the 500 funerals that I officiated at back in the day, how many of them were filled with maybe well-intentioned people saying really horrible things? Mm -hmm. And one of those is, you need to move on. Mm. That is such a damaging statement to somebody because A, it's not true. You should never move on. You should move forward. And those aren't the same things. When you're told to move on, it means leave it behind. It means you're something's wrong with you. It means that I know the time frame and you're not living up to it and all these other things. And so really just being mindful about having the right people, not just people. 
Right. Not just it, it is about having a network that cares about you and you care about. But to that point, you know, those are all the, all those cliches at the time of grief or all those people that don't contemplate their own death and then just have to come up with platitudes and cliches to help people move on. No, grief can take as long as it needs to. If it goes too long, yeah, maybe it becomes a little clinical. Maybe it comes a little becomes a little neurotic. But no, it's not about moving and it's about integrating that experience into who we are to embrace that suffering and to turn it into accomplishment. All right, so we've got exercise. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not I'm challenging you. I'm not challenging you. Um, oh, okay, bring it. So, and the other thing you said is to have, well, first of all, I don't think your spouse should be your soul. I mean, you didn't say this. I'm not saying you did. But um, I don't think your spouse or the people in your inner circle should be your sole source because I've seen it this past 10 days with Israel. Um, if I share too much with Ariella, she's not wired for this. She doesn't, she's an empath and it starts to burden her. And so I have to go to my good friend, Dan and a handful of others to dump my shit on their shoulders because when somebody's in it with you, right, they can't receive anymore. But Dan's on the, you know, as for our listeners on the outside of this particular topic, certainly empathetic but not inside it so much that he's clouded or he's broken by it. So I just think there's a really important nuance when we talk to people about um, who you share it with, when you share it with, how you share it with it. One other thing, and then I'll let you respond. One of my frustrations with traditional psychotherapy or counseling is it's too damn objective. I want a brother or a sister in the trenches with me who can feel the pain, hold the space, absorb enough of it that I feel like I'm I'm with somebody who I'm trudging through the trenches with, but not so much that they can't help me out of it. Exactly. Exactly. One of one of the therapists I work with here has a great saying about that that you know that during that time you're here with that we're together in this office, I will walk through that mud with you. I will fall down the well with you but I'll also be there to, to pick you back up out of it. And that's such a good point. To your point, yes, it's about having a network of connection, not just one connection, not just two connections. And, and that balance, right? Our spouses are our confidants and usually closest to us, but they can't always be our healers. And to right. have that network of people that we can go to, again, I'm gonna network many people, the right people, a group of people that you can go to and that you know, hey, this person isn't good with this topic. I, I, maybe not them, but I can go talk to, to this person anytime about these issues. Michelle calls me all the time and says, you've got to talk to Dan. He's driving me crazy and I need yes. to off, him to offload some of this crap on you, not me. So. Absolutely. And the fact that my wife doesn't even listen to our podcast, we can talk about her all that we want. So, <laughs> uh, All right, let's, let's go through. We got exercise. We've got connection. Um, choosing the right people to talk to. Um, another practice that uh, 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 meditating upon the finiteness of life, contemplating your own death. Um, with that is research tells us, but especially research into resiliency training, a sense of spirituality is very important in difficult times, is, is a very restorative factor being a rabbi, be, I would assume that means, you know, if we all want to be resilient, we just all need to become Jewish and have that spiritual practice, correct? Oh, man, I like you too much. I would never do that to you. No, don't do it. Don't do it. You don't need... What is, what is spirituality versus religion? 
Um, religion is the structure, right? And there are great structures out there. I don't think there's a structure. I think there's many different structures or pathways or whatever your imagery is to walk, to give you tools or, you know, resources or direction. But the spirituality is the, the fuel for the journey, right? It's that inner thing that we have to turn to that essence call it you know victor frankel calls it nuosk you can call it bob it doesn't really matter what you call it there's something within you that's bigger that's transcendent that was is will be and we gotta we gotta find that thing whatever you call it doesn't matter but we gotta find something bigger than ourselves yeah yeah it is that sense as as uh dr frankel tells us it's that ultimate meaning right that knowledge that there is something out there more meaningful greater than what we can understand and i think you mentioned it before that uh you know freud helped us to realize the invisible is more important than the visible what we believe in what we have faith in what we know to exist out there is very important i wouldn't say more important than than the real but we have to have that if we want to be resilient well, it's more important than the real, not in the sense of like a hierarchy, but in the sense of think about what endures, yeah. right? For instance, my dad has been dead for 17 years. Two days ago was his anniversary date. And yet he's not dead. Why? Because I can feel his love. I know his stories. I pass on all these invisibles to his grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And this is why I call it, you know, um, carry the fire. We've carried his fire forward. We've defied death. I'm going to come back to that imagery. I love it. You know, the candle burns down, the candle goes out or goes away, but the flame can be passed. You pass the flame from one candle to another candle to another candle. You can defy death. You can defy physical. You can defy the visible by this commitment to the invisible. And that's why I think during resilient times of building resilience, it's figuring out what's eternal, enduring, true, real. And that's always the invisible stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's where we got to get back to that and find what the hell is that? And how do I get more of that? Dr. Frankel gives us beautiful imagery with that. He tells us that, you know, each event, each moment, each choice in our life uh, is deposited in the granaries of time, in the granary of memory. And I just love that image that each each thing, each person we impact, each decision we make is just that little grain that is stored in perpetuity. And that as we pass that on, people continue to use that. You know, there's a saying that every person dies twice. The first time is the actual physical death. And the second time is the last time that their name is ever spoken. And I used to kind of believe in that, but as we talk, it's like, no, that's garbage. Right. Because whatever, whatever, as I shared, the impact that this podcast had on my daughter, that she passed to her friends, that they'll pass to somebody, that they'll pass to their children or some way. When we do, when we engage in meaningful activity, when we make meaningful decisions, we definitely have a positive impact that goes far greater than we could ever imagine. Well, uh, I, I don't think it's um, in. I don't know, disagreement with that statement because, you know, at least in Kabbalah, the, the name isn't just, you know, saying my dad's name was Shelly. It's not me saying Shelly. It's the legacy, you know, the values, the, the, the example that he imparted and stood for. When I'm living that out and passing it to my children and they're passing it to their children, it's an act of defiance. So 
I mean, I think that's what you're saying is it isn't saying his name so much as embodying these qualities, right? And passing that on or the podcast or whatever it might be. I think our name is imbued in this podcast, literally, but also figuratively. And so that's that light. But coming back to resilience, that that's a purpose. Like I can feel it right now in this podcast and the work that you and I are committed to as an act of defiance against that darkness that I was experiencing two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I feel my resilience sort of growing and accumulating and or being replenished. Um, so in some ways, I, I do really think it's about um, um, it's about finding something be bigger than ourselves that we can participate in and contribute is so essential to feeling a sense of resilience. Absolutely. So as I as I look at our time, I recognize, you know, we talked about uh, uh, physical activity, sports, running, being a, a path to resilience, to make yourself resilient, to push yourself just a little bit farther each time you put those running shoes on or you get on the bike or you get on the treadmill. And I do not want running man pushing himself much more past the time we're at He's now. He's older. Yeah, we got to really keep that in mind. In, in fact, I believe he just got a little bit older recently in the past few weeks. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a pleasure personally watching him grow more decrepit in time. But um, so we've, we've talked about, I, I love what you say about meaning, right? Uh, you, you don't always know it is quite ethereal. You, you, it's hard to define, but you know it when you see it, much like fashion. When I think of fashion, I look at that shirt you're wearing, B, and I think, well, that's not fashion, man. I know it's not there. So however, For the off- Coming from the cardigan guy, I'll <laughs> take that all day long. It uh, actually today is the is is hoodie day because I came into the office to clean and uh, to escape the horrible internet at home. So meaning, you know it when it's there. We find it through creativity, experience, and our choice of attitudes. Purpose is how we go out into the world and and do meaning, and then resilience. Resilience can be trained. You can go through a lot of practice to develop a more resilient mind, body family attitude you can develop a more resilient and be this is something you and i are working a lot on you can develop a more resilient culture in your business in the work that you do um, we've given you four or five different ways to do it but if you want to find out more individually i would definitely check out southwick's book on resilient organizationally if you're finding your organization your business does not bounce back well well, that's what B and I and Dr. Elise are doing through the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy and the upcoming Your Search for Meaning and the different trainings we do with different organizations. So feel free to contact us. And one last thing, I was just at a um, coffee place here and the tip, they had two tip jars. They said, you know, if you like the C, Colorado Buffalo's tip here, if you like um, the Colorado State, uh, whatever they're called, Rams, I think, tip here. So I'm going to leave us our listeners with the tip jar. If you made it this far with us, do you prefer... Dr. Dan's Cardigans or Dr. B's uh, Rico Suave Untucked Shirts? I those can't, are is that, are those Paisleys? Is that, did somebody, like, did Wolverine come up and just scratch that thing? I, I will say this. All right, so we're, so, we're going to so, disagree. So send in your tip, send us an email, and let us know which one you prefer, and that will dictate our future wardrobe choices. There we go. And I, I got to be honest, B, that office you got, that is that is a beautiful place compared to the uh, hard brick walls of a former medical suite that I'm in. So uh, one more reason to get myself to Colorado here soon. 
Until then, my friends, live with meaning, purpose, and resilience. We'll talk to you in the next podcast. We'll see you in the next video. Take care. Take care. You've been listening to the Meaning Academy podcast with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you found meaning in what you've heard, please leave us a five-star review and be sure to share this with fellow meaning seekers. And don't forget to check us out at themeaningacademy.com where you can learn how to join our weekly virtual and complimentary meaning masterminds. Until the next time, get out there and live your purpose and discover your meaning.